Welcome back to the Bravo Dog Knowledge Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Erdman. I'm a certified dog trainer and behavior consultant and own bravodog.ca. Today, we're talking to Kelsey Edwards, and we're discussing her journey with her dog uh, and her path towards becoming a trainer, but also the struggle she's had with working with her dog and reactivity. So tune in, hopefully you enjoy it, and learn a few things along the way. Hello. Hello, I'm here. Thanks for joining us, Kelsey. How are you? I'm doing so good. Thanks for having me. This is my first podcast. Oh, cool. Yes. I'm so thank you. Then I'm honored. <laughs> so you're joining us all the way from Toronto. That's right? correct. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. So I mean, I can go very basic. I am. Let's start with with basic. (laughs) My name is Kelsey. I own a dog walking business. I've had the business for five years. And over those five years, I have learned so much about behavior, but it all started not because of my business, but because of my own personal dog, Sadie, who had some reactivity and still does. So you and you, uh, so aside from your dog walking, you have... Uh, you've also become a trainer in the meantime, correct? Yes, I yeah. have. Okay, excellent. And so you um, and you teach, uh, do you teach classes and some reactivity stuff as well? So I actually um, recently just parted ways with the classes just because I wanted to kind of focus more on doing the online stuff. But yes, right. I did puppy class, foundation skills, reactivity seminars. And that was what I did for like three years. Wow. Holy. Okay. And so, yeah. <laughs> is, so was this all sort of inspired by your own personal dog then? It was completely inspired by Sadie. Like I started my journey, I guess, into training kind of on accident. I took a dog walking certification class and just wanted to like have that under my belt so that I could like be the best dog walker. It wasn't even because I was like interested in the information, which how terrible is that? (laughs) Right. We all start somewhere. (laughs) I know. And like when she was talking, she was talking about her own dog who was reactive and using force on her dog. And like, I was like, Oh my gosh. And it just like blew my mind. And since then I was like, okay, here we go. I'm going to work on my dog. I need to learn more. So I asked all the schools if I could like just volunteer to learn more. I had no intention of becoming a dog trainer, but I very quickly became obsessed with behavior and trying to understand dogs and just really advocating for them. Nice. And so tell, tell us a little bit about Sadie and her beginnings and and your journey. Yeah. So Sadie, she is going to be seven at the end of the month and she's a little sheepoo. She's very cute. Um, and Sadie, I actually adopted her when she was quite young. She was 12 weeks. She came from Toronto Animal Services, but she did in those 12 weeks have quite a rough start. She came from a place where there was a little bit of, um, domestic violence. So she, even in utero was probably exposed to a lot of really loud arguing and fighting and just a lot of scary stuff. Mm-hmm. And eventually she was found just roaming the streets. So we know how important those couple weeks are. And yeah, oh, so, poor thing. but I didn't really know. I thought, oh my gosh, I was getting this brand new puppy. How lucky was I to be able to adopt a puppy? Like that <laughs> yeah. never happens. Right. Yeah. 
And this was before I even had my dog walking business. And yeah, like almost from day one, I was like letting her run around with other dogs, like kind of get, you know, like trampled over sometimes. And Mm -hmm. she didn't ever seem to mind. She would like bounce right up. And she seemed like she was a happy dog until she wasn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, those are my there own she is. <laughs> That's Frankie. That's my bad oh. boy, Frankie. Um, but yeah, it started pretty gradually where she would kind of like snip at dogs if they came up to see her. And I would always be like, oh, so weird. She never does this. <laughs> and just trying to like brush it off. And like I was pretending like this wasn't a problem. Like I didn't have a bad dog. And then I started my dog walking business and I was having dogs bored at my place constantly. So Sadie Mm -hmm. never got a break Mm -hmm. and it just, it spun out of control. Like I can't even pinpoint when I look back the moment it went from not being a problem to being a huge problem. It just seemed to just snowball and boom, it was there. I'm sure knowing what I know now, I would have been able to pick up on it sooner, but Yeah, I think, well, you're definitely not alone with this type of, you know, scenario that you you just, nobody plans to have a dog with reactivity challenges. And then, you know, there's just so much information out there that is, it's either conflicting information and people are confused or you're trying to do work with your own dog. And then you have, you know, Karen next door telling you what to do or giving you unsolicited advice. Um, yeah. And at this, find, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say at this point I did have my business. So I was like, yeah, I was embarrassed and I was like, I need to do something about this fast because right. Which like how, like how embarrassing for me to be embarrassed by my dog. But yeah, it was like, I need to do something quickly. Yeah. And yeah, all my neighbors and like people at the park were saying things that helped them. And the first step was getting, getting a martingale. Uh, right. Yeah. Which to me, a martingale is a safety tool, but for, in that sense, it was for helping her, you know, behave on leash and it didn't do anything. And she was still like lunging and freaking out and it was heartbreaking. So yeah, I had customers who had prongs and their dogs seemed super happy. And so I was like, you know what, like, I need to do this. I need to get her a prong because I can't see her like this anymore. It's like, it's so hard for me to see her like this. It's hard for me to go for walks. It's hard for me to live downtown where we're just surrounded by triggers at all times. I need to do something to help her. Literally, that was my intention. I wanted to help her feel better. And so I, I got a prong. Yeah. And you know what? I don't think that a lot of people are are unlike that, that nobody. And I think we were having discussions yesterday, some of us about, you know, the fact that nobody uses these things, at least our clients don't use these tools, devices and approaches, unless they've been advised to do so. And they're, they're desperate, you know, and they're trying to do the best that they can for their dog and for themselves. So, you know, it's definitely not the, 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 the client or the, the, um, the community, it's not their fault. It's the responsibility lies with the professional that and I say that in air quotes, <laughs> um, that has, has told them to do these things, right? So we're all doing the best that we can. Um, but yeah, it's, you're, it's, it's, it's tough for sure. It's really tough. And like, I didn't actually go seek out a trainer, which like 
in retrospect, that would have been very helpful if I found the right one, of course. But right. I followed a trainer on Facebook and she she was a very heavy user of like prongs and e-collars and stuff. But she had like thousands of followers and like she was always advocating like, you think that my dogs are unhappy and she would send happy videos. So I really thought that this was like the solution and it's what we grew up with. Like, honestly, when I look, think back of my dogs, I remember taking my golden retriever to a, like a class on a choke chain when I was Mm -hmm. like 10 years old. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, a lot has changed and you just have to think the origins of dog training where, where, you know, where did that all start? And it's, you know, military, origins Mm -hmm. and you know finally things are are changing and and as it as it should because as we evolve understanding more about animal behavior and their emotions we've got to move along with them otherwise that's just archaic right right like every other you know discipline evolves and changes so should dog training yeah it's just weird and I was thinking today as I was uh driving I was like where is that disconnect where we think that it's okay to put a, like an electronic right. device on an actual sentient being? Like where is, where does that become okay, okay. in our mind? And it's, I, there's just so much to it, I guess, you know? I know. Like I've had the argument with people and like, I always try to put it into human terms when I'm trying to explain why like punishment, like positive punishment isn't the way to go. And I'll, I'll relate it to like kids. And the response I get is, oh, it's not the same as a kid. Dogs aren't the same as kids. And I'm like, well, yes, I mean, one's a human, one's a dog, but they learn the same. They have the yeah. same emotions. Like, yeah, it similar. isn't that different. Yeah, it, it's it. We still have a ways to go. However, it does. I think if we're not questioning these things, there's a problem. Mm-hmm. I think if you're, especially if you're charging money and like, I'm not, I, I hope I'm not coming across as coming, you know, being on my soapbox probably am, but it's my podcast so I can do that. Um, yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that if you're not questioning what you're doing when it comes to the responsibility of working with any creature with emotions, you shouldn't be doing that in my opinion. So I, you, you just shouldn't. I completely agree. And I do feel like there's this crazy amount of pressure on us to like fix dogs when we work with them. And so, you know, you, you absolutely know, I know behavior takes a lot of time to change. And so I think that especially when people are starting out, the customers start getting a little frustrated. And if you're not solid in your knowledge, you might start doubting it too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So it's like, we need to really like empower these trainers so that, they can like stand their ground even when things aren't quick. Yeah. Yeah. I know when I first started out, I really was, I knew how I felt inside about, about communicating to clients that, you know, this is a process and that there is no quick fix and there is no guarantee. And just being very clear about things, you know, the yeah, process from the start it go and how it may not go. And that, why you don't want to go down this road because of this. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, even though they haven't gone down that road yet, you still want to almost warn them if they become frustrated not to go there. And then um, at least you still like, you did your responsibility. You like, yeah. you, you're allowing them to make that informed choice, like versus yeah. they're not just going off and finding what the internet says. Like if yeah. you can lay it out like that from the start, I think you did your part. Yeah, for sure. I, it, it, I think, 
that imposter syndrome comes in a lot of the time when you're, you're newer or you're not, um, are you feeling the pressure, you know, the squeeze Mm -hmm. to, to fix or make improvements. And I think that, you know, it, it does help to have one, a support system. If you're working with animals. Um, oh yeah. If you don't, <laughs> oh yeah. Group. And I definitely you're gone. did not have that for the first years of my working with dogs. Because we're all so insecure about it. Like yeah. we, I find that the dog trainers, honestly, the best dog trainers I know are the most like quiet, insecure people because I think it's because the more we learn, yeah. the more we realize that there's left to learn. So yeah. when you understand that it's hard to be like confident and spraying your knowledge all over the place, because it's like, yes, I know this, but I also know that there is so much more to it. For sure. And yeah. I think that's and like the part of the problem is that it's so also quiet. not a professional profession. Dog I know it's not so to, to it's it's funny and it's too bad like I always think about this I'm, I'm lucky enough to be really good friends with a veterinary behaviorist and oh nice. you know at least they have as a vet um they have they've got systems in place as a as a professional they have to answer to people they screw up they have to answer to yes them. there's you know investigations I mean? and yeah and their code of ethics and 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 yeah there's you know, bad apples in every bunch, but there's, there are actually some guidelines. Whereas with us, it's, it's where I, I almost feel like I'm overcompensating for, 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 I, you know what I mean? Like with education and things like Mm -hmm. that, I'm always saying, what else can I do? What else can I do? Because my profession is so unprofessional Uh, that I just almost feel like I need to make up for. That's so true. (laughs) Like how many times have people asked you like, Oh, is this your full-time job? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. oh my goodness, like, do you not understand how much studying I do and how much goes into this? It's, yeah, uh, but it, but it is optional and it is, um, it is, yeah, it, it's You're so, right. it's, I think again, just going back to, you know, how people are struggling and they're taking, you know, advice and, and help where they can get it. Like, I think we just have to be empathetic with, with people overall. I, and I mm-hmm. never, ever would, you know, blame somebody for the, the things that they've been told or oh, paid somebody how, to tell them to do. How you know? hypocritical would that be yeah. of me? Because I was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when, what was that? Did you have like a sort of moment, like a light bulb moment when you're like, oh no, this is not, this is not, not what, what I want to do. Yeah. yeah. So I got the prong for her and almost immediately I stopped using it. Like I never actually gave corrections. I mm-hmm. just was kind of thinking she would give them to herself right. in, in that like when she would bark and lunge, it would, it would stop it. her. Yeah. And yeah. it would stop it, but it didn't stop it. She would react right through it, but then she was also like getting hurt and she was even more scared. So I did, I saw it wasn't working. So I was like, okay, no problem. And I put it away, but I didn't dive further. I was just kind of like, okay, we'll go back to the Martingales. And then that course happened. And then I learned about the quadrants. I learned about punishment and positive punishment and reinforcement. But then what I learned about was reactivity and how that doesn't really fall in any of the quadrants. And Mm -hmm. that blew my mind because I was like treating it like this was a behavior that needed to decrease Whereas really what was happening was completely driven by emotion and understanding that this emotion was based in fear and feeling insecure and scared. I 
I think I cried for three days. I was like, how, how could I do this to my dog? How could I miss this? And Oh, yeah. It's well, hard. I, it is. And, and, you know, oftentimes I think people are looking at it as an, as a obedience issue or they've yes. been told it's an obedience problem. You need training and the type of training that you need is for the dog to obey mm-hmm. um, in these situations. And it has, as you said, has nothing to do with that. Nope. The more you ask your dog to do in a situation where they're scared or, um, frustrated or whatever the reactivity is it's not going to happen that is not the learning zone oh I know and then just like putting the pressure on so heavily it's like these poor little creatures they can't they already can't communicate very well with us because they don't speak the same language so they're trying their very best and we see that as reactivity and it's just like stop that you bad dog yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think it's just that disconnect between, you know, body starts with body language, right? Yep. Understanding how your dog feels. The body language is linked to that completely. The more you know about that, and I keep, you know, repeating that is that the more people know about body language, the more they're going to understand their dog. Get that down first. You Absolutely. Know? Yeah. yeah. I know it's like still so surprising to me. The other day, someone, I went up to their or I was like chatting with them and I bent down to their dog and the dog like backed away. And I was like, Oh, okay. I'm so sorry. And she was like, she grabbed the leash and she like pushed the dog toward me. And she was (gasps) like, she was like, he needs to learn. Like he needs to learn. And I was just like, actually, Oh dear. Yeah. No. no. Yeah. We need when has that worked for a person too. Right. And and that's the thing. It is okay to compare people to dogs when we're talking about emotions. I don't think that we need to apologize for that. You know, it's the best way for us to get the message across is that the emotions are very similar. It absolutely is. When I teach reactivity now, I always turn it into a human explanation. Mm -hmm. Like, so I always talk about like, what if like you had an extreme phobia? Because I don't know if you're afraid of anything, but for me, like, I would say I have like reactions to wasps. Like I, Mm. I lose all judgment. I start flailing. Like sometimes I'll scream, I'll start running. I start sweating. Like it is a full body response to fear. So if you can compare what a dog's going through that to that, I think a lot more people are like, oh, I get it. Or children too. And and I think like, if we're talking about, I, I don't know if the stat is correct when people say, you know, a, a fully mature dog emotionally is at the level of a two-year-old. I yeah, don't know. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Like I don't, I haven't read enough studies. I've heard that too, but I feel like I don't, I can't say for sure. Yeah. I would say, so knowing that there's a good possibility that they're, you know, like a small child emotionally yeah. or developmentally um, that, you know, if you force, when has you being forced to hug somebody as a child how did that go you know like we know that we're talking about (laughs) sorry (laughs) we're trying our best (laughs) it's okay you're doing great they're doing great um you know they talk a lot now about with children that they should be able to they shouldn't have to be forced to hug people they shouldn't be forced to um interact without consent and I think that we, you know, Hey, it's a thing and kind of seems like it. a human, right? So why shouldn't yeah. that be a dog? Right. 
Yeah. Well, and then I think that that it just goes down that path of like, I know (laughs) animal rights and like, how extreme are we being? And I, I mean, I don't think we're being extreme. We're, we're, we're basing all of our, um, what we're talking about here there it this is not opinion Mm -hmm. these are facts aside from not sure about the (gasps) developmental age stuff (laughs) right I don't know oh yeah absolutely like that's like that's one thing versus talking about dogs having emotions and being sentient and understanding you know all that stuff the science is the same the way we learn the way we process that stuff is all the same yeah yeah so I think you know it and I know I can definitely relate in terms of like the whole embarrassment um of your own dog like my my Frenchie Oscar he has had reactivity since he hit social maturity and I don't think I really did anything too too wrong um but you know once I, I I do believe that there are some genetic components in there for sure I never used corrections or any kind of you're so lucky (laughs) but i i I, you know who knows we there are just too many factors um but yeah it can be embarrassing but i i I don't make i don't make there there's no doubt in my mind that i could have made it much much worse yes yeah but um so we manage i don't do a ton of training Uh, i don't have a ton of time but prevention is huge with him and just knowing what his limitations are because I think that's important for people to know that there are limitations. There's mm-hmm. no using the word fix is not, it, it, it just, you can't. No, it's <laughs> like, know? honestly, it's, it's a recovery process. And we know that like when you have depression or like any type of thing that you're recovering from, like, you know, like perfection is never the goal. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, so where are you at with things now then with Sadie? With Sadie? Oh, she's doing so good. So what you said about like management and all that completely rings true because Mm -hmm. we've adjusted our whole life kind of around Sadie's reactivity. And that sounds very dramatic, but it really isn't. It just means that we go for walks at like off peak time. So we don't go before like work when everyone's taking their dogs and we don't go between about five and seven Mm -hmm. and we just we know our area so I know where all the alleys are I know the streets that aren't as busy so it's easy for me to cross I still always carry really high value treats but Mm -hmm. we're basically at the point where she can walk past most dogs but I basically have to talk to her the whole time and tell her how pretty and smart she is and (laughs) reinforce her quite often but you know, she's had, I think, one bad day so far in 2020, which wow. every day was a bad day before. Yeah, that and it, that's huge. I think it's easy for people to, from the outside to sort of look in and say, oh, well, you're not a very good trainer if all you're doing is avoiding things. But oh, my that God. Is I such know. a small, <laughs> it's a very small, it's a ne- very narrow minded view, in my opinion, because prevention of the escalation and the repetition of behavior so that it becomes a cycle is super detrimental to an animal's health. So we, what we do know for sure is that stress and anxiety shortens the lifespan of an animal. Exactly. At the very bare minimum, if that is what you're doing, then bravo to everybody doing that. Um, So that, that makes you knowledgeable, not a poor trainer. If we're talking about behavior modification, and changing those associations, 
there's a lot that goes into that meaning you have to be in the right environment right and living downtown in the city if that's where you are makes that very difficult very hard yeah yeah it's all about managing her thresholds because I feel like people think when we're managing and we're avoiding like having the reactions that that means we're avoiding training but that's not the case at all we're just avoiding going over threshold so that we can do the training at a safe distance where she can see the scary thing the dogs process it and get it paired with something really dope yeah it it, I think that you put it beautifully which is just those moments where learning is optimal you're taking advantage of those moments exactly the time you're not setting her up to fail because it would be like one step forward, two step back, two steps forward, two steps back, that type of pattern, right? Exactly. And like, again, I think it's so important to really emphasize that this is all like emotion based. So that's why for me, there's no other option than like counter conditioning and desensitization, because when they are in that heightened state, so when they are having the full blown reactions, they're not thinking logically. So for us to expect to use a quadrant or use any type of learning is so unreasonable. Can you imagine being like on a roller coaster and being expected to like, you know, behave? Exactly. (laughs) Like that's asking so much. So, you know, that's why for me, I'm like, I always refer to that as damage control mode. Like you're trying, Mm. you're trying to teach while the dog is reacting. It just, you're in damage control. You're not doing, you're just, you can't teach anything. You're just trying to sort of stop it, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like, that's kind of what I do when it does happen. I'm like, I I do my best. I try to like give her space, but I always give her treats. And I don't know about you, but that is like the hardest thing for me to convince people of that it is okay to give your dog treats when they have a reaction. You're not going to be reinforcing the reaction. Yeah. Well, it all goes back to understanding the emotional part of of the whole process for the animal. And so once people get that, I think it's easier, but you know, there's always going to be naysayers. Yeah. I'm rewarding a behavior. No, it's not a behavior. Do you want to hear my, um, my human explanation for, for how that doesn't work. Okay. (laughs) So this is how I always started. Not that this would ever happen to me, but imagine that I got dumped. Okay. (laughs) Never happened. (laughs) Never would happen to me, but let's say I got dumped and I'm devastated. And so my friend who's like here for me, comes over, she gives me a hug, something I really like. And she also gives me Doritos and Ben and Jerry's like, all of those things are extremely reinforcing, but mm-hmm. that's not going to make me go out and get dumped repeatedly. <laughs> that's a really right analogy. It's just oh making God. me feel better in a really hard situation. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Isn't that great? Yeah. I think that's really awesome. <laughs> like, Might have to use that. <laughs> please do. Because like people are always like, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 True. No, that's really, yeah, yeah, that's pretty powerful. I know, <laughs> and funny. Yeah, totally. So tell me a little bit before we wrap this up, what um, what are your plans? Because uh, you, you just opened your, aside from your dog walking business, mm-hmm. you just started your own training business as well, correct? I did. So I, I haven't started it as an actual business yet. It's more just a project at this point, but... right. 
I, I want to use that online platform and I want to have a dedicated space to training instead of mixing it in with my dog walking. Smart. Yeah. And my goal, like, and I loved working at the school, but I want to get a larger audience. So I have more people going to positive reinforcement schools. So like, I want to help spread the word that, you know, force isn't necessary. This is what your dog is feeling. Understand what's driving behavior. And I want this to be like what everyone thinks of. So instead of when people think of dog trainers, they're thinking of like Caesar Milan and stuff. I want mm-hmm. them thinking of us and I want them thinking of the emotional state of their dogs. So mm-hmm. my, my goal right now is just to kind of get a little bit louder on social media. I'm not looking to like be a bully or anything like that. That's never going to be my aspect. No, of not. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm not here to tell you that what you're doing is wrong and terrible. I'm here to tell you my story, my experience, what I've learned these past years in a way that's relatable to a lot of people so that people start talking about it a little bit more because it's embarrassing. Yeah. And yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's that level of like shame and, you know, it's, it's really hard to accept that maybe Mm -hmm. you've made some questionable choices with your dogs. And I think by, sharing our story and seeing how far Sadie's come, more people are going to want to share their story and it's going to be like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. we can yeah, do this. Absolutely. No, I think that's fantastic. What's your, um, your handle on Instagram? It's Kelsey Mick dog trainer. <laughs> okay. Awesome. <laughs> Cause that's actually my there. last name. Isn't that so convenient? Wait, what's your last name? No, it's Edwards. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Um, awesome so people can head there and sort of um, join you for this journey I'm excited to see how all this all evolves for you and yeah I'm just thankful that you had the time to talk to us today no thank you it's honestly such an honor you are a trailblazer and I would be lying if I said I didn't get a ton of inspiration from you so no right and that's the other thing I want to do I want to band all of us together like I want to like even the dog walkers and like the trainers starting out, like I would love to just get us all empowered and working together and learning off of each other and being comfortable saying, I don't know. Yeah. So that we don't turn to crappy methods and we help each other out to refer to. Yes. It's so, so important. You know, yeah, I think that an Instagram has been a great community, at least for me, um, mm-hmm. connecting with people Same. that offer a wide range of services for, for dogs and want to do it in a stress-free um, way that is ethical and humane, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Okay, well, thanks again so much for joining us. No, thank you. Seriously. All right. All right. Take care. All right. Have okay, a good bye-bye. day. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on today's episode. We hope that you enjoyed it. Head over to bravodog.ca. I have a free dog body language course just for you. As we mentioned in our podcast today, we don't know enough about body language with our own dogs. And that is the best way for you to understand how your dog feels. Join us next time. Not sure who the guest will be or if it'll just be me, but we hope that you will join us again.